In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of all ages. Amen. We started a series a couple of weeks ago about how to hear the voice of God, seeing as we are in the um, fast of the Holy uh, uh, Apostles and the time of the Holy Spirit. This is the time in which we're calling on the Holy Spirit to be renewed in our lives. We're, we're trying to attune ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We're trying to align ourselves to Him. We're trying to, to, to further develop the, the relationship that we have with the Spirit of God dwelling within us. This is the time for us to hear His voice. Of several weeks ago, I, um, uh, I gave us the, the very simple practice of trying to pray multiple times a day, as many times as somebody can in a day, to pray and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Um, in the morning, but, you know, when you wake up, before you eat, before you sleep, before you have dinner, before this, before any time, any time you pause and you look up to heaven to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And so we're going to kind of build on that today. Uh, I have small children, and maybe some of you do as well, or maybe you have older children, or maybe you remember being a small child, or maybe you work with people who behave like small children. Who knows, right? But in any event, right, uh, when dinner time rolls around um, and they're maybe watching TV or playing with something, I'll, I'll, I'll say, what do you want to have for dinner? And I hear nothing, right? You know, and if I say, oh, look, we just got some ice cream, I'll get like, you know, a, an elephant stampede into the kitchen, right? But when I'm asking them about spinach and broccoli, or even if I'm asking them about burgers and nuggets, you know, ah, you know, and I guess uh, I was discussing this with our staff this week, uh, and we were talking and laughing about this, and I guess it's called selective hearing, right? And selective hearing can be a good thing in some situations. In fact, um, in, in, in some conversation, I'll, I'll save you the context, uh, Jennifer Lopez met the Supreme Court judge Longtime Supreme Court Judge um, Judge Ginsburg, um, who's like a, an icon, I guess, uh, in, in in American culture. In any in any event, she uh, was newly engaged, Jennifer Lopez, that is, and so she asked her for marriage advice. And so she replied and said this: On the day I was married, my mother-in-law, whom I was married in her home, she took me aside and said she wanted to tell me the secret of a happy marriage. Ginsburg said. And I said, I'd be glad to hear it. What is it? And she responded, it helps sometimes to be a little deaf, right? And so maybe in marriage sometimes it's good, you know, or in other relationships sometimes it's good to kind of just let a few things just glide off your back like water off a duff, duck's back. However, sometimes it's not a good thing to do that. And sometimes I think we do that to God. I think sometimes we have selective hearing. Sometimes we hear promises from God um, and we remember those and we hold on to those. Other times we hear commandments from him and or we hear other things from him and and um, it doesn't quite register. My mind is somewhere else. And so really what we're talking about today is how can we have ears to hear. You see, whenever I get into this conversation with somebody about how to hear the voice of God, everybody wants to know the technique. You know, everybody wants to know how to do it. And we're going to get to that. That's next week and the week after. But I want to tell you something. Hearing, hearing God's voice in your heart is 90% 
attitude or 90% disposition or 90% how, how I position myself in 10% technique. There is a technique which does help, right? And maybe there are 100 others, but I'll, 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 I'll share with you what I know. But that's not the crux of it. The crux of it is, is a heart that's ready to listen. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. In, in the parable of the sower, which is repeated multiple times in the readings of the church throughout the year, where Jesus says a parable went out, a, a, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed on this land and some seed on that land and so on. This one didn't grow a crop, this one grew a crop and so on. He finishes the parable by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other translations, they've translated it, if anyone is willing to listen, listen now. Jesus is saying, are you willing to listen or not? That's the question. The question is, are you willing to hear what is being said? Are you willing to listen? And look, everybody knows this, actions speak louder than words, right? So I can in one breath say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to hear. But if you look at the rest of my actions, they don't show that. And that's what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is the life that is ready to hear the word of God. And the life that's ready to hear the word of God is the life which is already doing that which it knows of the will of God. I've received instructions one, two, and three. I'll share. I wasn't planning to share this with you. It's a little bit personal. Hopefully you won't hate me uh, or think less of me after this. Um, there was a time in my life where I could hear God very clearly. And then all of a sudden I couldn't hear him anymore. And so I went and I asked my spiritual father and I told him, Buna, why can't I hear God as clearly as I could previously? And he told me, well, what's the last thing you heard God say to you? I said, this and this. And he says, and did you do it? It was a commandment. I said, did you do it? And I said, no. And so he said, I haven't done it yet. I'll get around to it, but I haven't quite done it yet. And he told me, well, why do you want to hear anything else? Like you haven't done step one. Why do you want to hear step two or three or four? Do step one and then God will tell you steps two. Three. And I told him, because I love hearing his voice. And he told me, yeah, but God is not your entertainer. God is not here to entertain you. God is here. He is, the, he is God and you are his son. You are his servant. You are here to do what he says, not here to be entertained by him. The sweetest sound on the face of the earth is the voice of the Lord. But that doesn't make it its only purpose is, is to, to, be, to be sweet to my ears, right? It's the purpose of the word of God is to be said to me that I might do it, that I might go and do it. So Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he goes on and he says, with what measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Here there's a distinction between the word hear and listen, right? Here the word hear means hear and do. Hear and do. You know, when parents say, my children don't listen to me. Do they mean that their children are hard of hearing? Have they taken them to an audiologist to get a hearing test? No, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about, I tell them things, they hear me loud and clear, they just don't do it. Right? And that's, 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 that's the verb that's in here. 
with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So maybe I can't hear the voice of God because I don't, I don't know what I'm listening for. Maybe. Maybe I can't hear the voice of God because I don't do what He says. And He's speaking loud and clear, but I don't do what He says. So I can't hear the, the instructions 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 because I'm not doing what He says. With what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Some of us, some of us are very experiential learners. I'm a very experiential learner. I learn well with my hands. I need to see, I need to touch, I need to try it out, I need to draw it out, I need to, I need, you can't imagine how many bits of pieces of paper get written like this before a sermon actually gets written, you know? I need, I'm a very tactile person. Some of us are like that. Some of them are more, you know, like, like audible learners. We listen and, and that's good enough for us and so on, right? God knows, God knows how you listen and how you learn, right? And He will guide you in that way. But especially for those of us who, who really learn by doing, we need to do the will of God in the little things, and then He guides us on to do the bigger things. If you don't remember anything else from today, just remember this. The obedient heart has a listening ear. The obedient heart has a listening ear. Before you say, Lord, why, why can't I hear you? Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you answer me when I, when, when, when I call on you? Why do I ask you questions and you don't answer? Ask yourself. Ask yourself, are you doing that which you already know? Jesus has really simplified it for us to love God and to love our neighbor. Then he simplified it even more and said, you know what? his disciples, just you amongst yourselves, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus' commandments are very simple. Let's hold ourselves up to, the, up to that standard and ask ourselves, am I doing that? Naturally, any one of us, myself first and foremost, if I do that, it will lead me to repentance. It will lead me to see, I have not kept your commandments, Lord. I haven't done what you have asked me to do. I haven't walked well with you, and so on. And it will lead me to go and to ask him to forgive me. To, it will lead me to bow my head before him and to open my hands before him and to, and to make myself vulnerable and to receive from him his love, his forgiveness, his healing, his power, his joy, his encouragement, pushing me on to a new life. Isn't that hearing God? Isn't that hearing God? Maybe you're asking him about something in particular, but maybe he's not even interested in, 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 in your request, forgive me. Maybe he's in, interested in the salvation of your soul. Maybe what he's interested in is your repentance and mine. And he'll get to that, but he wants to make sure he does the most important things first. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. There's a verse which always gets me every time I read this. This is in the book of Exodus. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying and God gives him the Ten Commandments and he comes down and he shares all that God told him. I mean, he and God have been chatting away for 40 days. So he's got news to tell these people, right? Look at the, look at the superlatives in this verse. When Moses went and to, then Moses went and to, and told the people all the words and laws 
they all responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. Wow. Who of us is ready to respond like this? Now, I want to tell you something. This is before he told them. When Moses came down from the mountain and told them, I'm going to tell you what God told me on the mountain, they responded, everything the Lord has said we will do. They didn't know what Moses was going to say yet. They didn't know what Moses was going to say yet. Maybe Moses was going to tell them something they didn't want to hear. They knew that God was their lifeline. They knew that God brought them across the Red Sea. They knew that God was the pillar of fire standing between them and Pharaoh. They knew that God was the one who has brought them water out of a rock. They knew that God was the one who changed bitter water into sweet water for them. And they knew that God was the one who was going to provide for them. They knew that God was the one who was going to lead them to the promised land. They needed God. Without God, they were done. Without God, they were done. Without God, they can't even go back to Egypt. Like if they run out of food and water and there's no God to provide for them. They can't go back. God's the one who parted the Red Sea. How are they going to go back? They knew they, they knew they had to follow God. The difference between these people and us sometimes is that they realize their deep and utter dependence on God. St. Theophan the Recluse in Unseen Warfare in chapter 2, I believe, says the first step to spiritual life is complete and utter distrust of the self. It's not low self-esteem or self-hatred or self-deprecation. No, no, no. It's just to know that the only one I can truly rely on is God, and certainly not myself. And so their natural response to God was, everything the Lord has said we will do. What about you and what about me? No. I want to see what God has to say, and then we'll write it down. And then we'll see, we'll assess it, we'll analyze it, we'll, you know, that, you know see uh, what, what suits, what fits my, you know, my worldview, what doesn't fit my world, what fits my paradigm, what doesn't fit my paradigm, what this, what that. And then we'll see whether we will obey God or whether we'll try to find some way to rationalize what God said, because we don't want to make God a liar. So we'll rationalize what he said, but we will also make it no longer applicable to our day and age. Of course, you know, we've progressed now. We're, we're a progressive society. Come on, we're not going to just take everything that God says and do it, are we? I don't know. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. And then we say, why can't we hear God? King David, I mean, don't feel like, I know I'm, I may sound harsh, Right? But all of the saints went through this. King David prays and he says, Give me an undivided heart, O Lord, that I may fear your name. Why that I may fear your name? Because I fear other things. I fear losing my job. I, feel, I, I fear my position in society. I fear how people are going to understand me. I fear this. I fear that. I fear all, so all of a sudden, God has become a priority amongst a soup of priorities. Other things that I fear, right? But this isn't, this, this, King David realizes that his heart is divided. 
there's many, there's, I'm fragmented and there's many, many, my heart is shooting in a million and one different directions. And thus I'm confused. And thus I'm confused. So he prays and he says, Lord, give me an undiv... This is the man of, of whom God said, David is a man after my own heart. Struggled with what you and I struggle with. Don't feel bad. I'm not pointing a finger at you as if I'm some condescending way or looking my nose down at you. If I am, I'd be looking my nose down at King David as well. No, all of us, all of us are, are torn by a million and one different things. But God is calling us. God is calling us, you and me, to come to Him with all of my fragmented bits and pieces of life and to offer them to Him and to pray and say to Him, Lord, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Give me an undivided heart, Lord, that you would be the only one that I answer to and that all the other things might come second to that. You know the expression, I'm of two minds? Yeah, I'm of two minds on that issue. Someone will ask you, well, what do you think of this? Well, I'm of two minds on that issue. You see, it could be seen this way or it could also be seen that way. A person who's of two minds on an issue is a person who's going nowhere on that particular issue at this particular time. I'm not saying all of us spend some time figuring things out and then we make up our mind and then we move forward. But the issue is, is when we get stuck in this analysis paralysis, and I'm not going to talk about it for too long, but just make the point that as long as we're of two minds on an issue, we can't move forward. Right? If you've decided that we're going out, we're going out for dinner, and we're like, should we go for you know this or should we go for that? Well, you can't start moving yet. Before all the cell phone laws came out and whatever, like we had these GPS navigators, right? I know this sounds like we're sounding like ancient all of a sudden, right? But anyway, it's back in the day, right? And so I would be in a rush, you know, I'd like you know, buckle my seatbelt, put the car into drive, start driving, and then put the address in the navigator, and then the navigator would tell me, rerouting. I'm like, we didn't even start moving. How are we rerouting? The issue is I started moving when I didn't know where I was going, right? And until we make up our mind, until we make up our mind, we can't, we're going nowhere. St. James says this when he says about praying for wisdom, he says, Pray, if you need wisdom, pray and ask and God will give you. He says, oh, but one thing, be sure, don't ask while you're doubting. Because if you're doubting, you're asking for something, yet in the back of your head you're saying, I don't, know, I don't even know if God's going to do it. Well, what was the point of asking, right? He says such a person is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Look, my brother, my sister, my beloved father and mother, Today is the day to commit our hearts to follow God, to commit our hearts to follow Him with our actions. To commit to Him, to follow Him with our actions, and to pray a very simple and childlike prayer. Lord, make me want what you want. Lord, I don't know what you want for my life, but make me want what you want. Lord, make me obedient to you. I love St. Augustine's prayer. He says, Sincerely, Lord, from all my heart, I pray, make me sincere in wanting you, right? And so, and so this is the beginning. This is the beginning, and this is, this is where we need, we need to start, with obedience and repentance, holding ourselves up to the standard of the commandments of Christ and asking ourselves, am I obedient to what God has already asked me to do? And that should lead me to to a deep repentance. And that deep repentance will lead me 
to, to God's encouragement, to His voice Himself in Scripture, through my spiritual father in confession, wherever, wherever God can speak to me will lead me to hear His encouragement, to hear His love, to hear His power. God is always, I want to tell you, God is always forward-looking. God is not, as I know Him, is not a God who spends hours and hours and hours criticizing the past. He may show us things from the past to, to, to teach us about the future and to show us how to do better, but it's always very short-lived. The comparison of the past to the future is always 10 to 1, 10 to 1 in the future as compared to the past. And that will lead us to pray with Samuel when he was a little child and he heard God, or he heard a voice telling him, Samuel, Samuel. Sorry, I'm smiling because I can't help, I can't help but, uh, but, but confess one of my favorite pranks to play on some of our kids and some of our servants and some of our youth when they think they're alone at church, but I happen to be here. So I'll hide somewhere and I'll call their name. And I'll, Mina, Mina, right? And <laughs> watch them look around. Samuel, Samuel, right? He's three years old, poor kid, right? Looks around, what's going on? What's going on, right? Runs to Eli, the priest. Eli tells him, it wasn't me, go back to bed, go back to bed, right? You know, Samuel, Samuel, runs to Eli. Yeah, Eli, go, go to bed, go to bed. The third time he tells him, next time you hear that, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So the third time he hears, Samuel, Samuel, and he answers, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Okay? Let us pray this prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The testimony, Lord, to my hearing is in my life is in my life. Command me, Lord, I will do it. Look in my life, whatever you command me, Lord, I'm happy to do. I'm happy to do. In the litany of the gospel that we pray in every single liturgical service, there's a, almost every single liturgical service or every single, there's a gospel. And before every gospel, we always pray the litany of the gospel. And the priest says, may we be worthy to hear and to act according to your holy gospels through the prayers of your saints. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough to hear and say, those are beautiful words. And then we can all stand around and philosophize about how wonderful the teachings of Jesus are. That's not what Christ is looking for. He's looking for us to do them. It always gets me every single time I read the Sermon on the Mount and the Gospel of St. Luke, when Jesus talks about the, the, the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. That the difference between the two is that the one who built his house on the rock did what Jesus said. The, the one who built his house on the sand, he came. He says he came and he listened, but he did nothing. Look, all of you are really good, holy people. I love you very much. You're all fantastic people. You came and you listened. That doesn't mean that you built your house on the rock yet. The proof will be in the pudding. Are we going to do? I'm in the boat too, right? I'm in that boat too. Here I am preaching, preaching. Okay, well, are you going to do it or are you just going to preach it? Preach from here till kingdom come. You're still the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the storms of life come, if there's no lived experience of the commandments, if, if there's no blood and sweat and tears of living the commandments of Christ, my life doesn't hold up to the storms of life, right? And so 
God is calling you and he's calling me to put the commandments of Christ into practice. After the priest prays his, his inaudible prayers that he has to pray or is supposed to pray during the gospel, he comes, if, he has any, if, the, if, the, if the gospel is still being read, he comes and he stands and he offers incense in front of the gospel and he says silently, may we be worthy to hear and to act according to the holy gospels through the prayers of your saints. I want to tell you this phrase, I say it once out loud and like 20 times silently for you and for me, and I pray it from all my heart. Lord, I beg you from all my heart, don't let these just be words that are read. Let them be a description. Let this be, let the words that are read here be the title of the life story of every person who's here. Let these words be a description of the life of everybody who's here. In one of the inaudible prayers that the priest prays during the liturgy, he says, during the, during the gospel, he says the same thing. He says, may we be worthy to hear and to act according to your gospels and to bring forth fruit therein, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. We've got to do what we hear. Otherwise, what was the point of hearing it? What was the point of hearing it? Isaiah, when, 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 when God calls him and he stands and he sees his glory, his answer, when God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He says, here am I, send me. But Isaiah hasn't heard yet what God is sending him to. Maybe God is sending him to martyrdom. Maybe God is sending him to throw himself off a cliff. Maybe God is sending him. God made the prophets do the craziest things. He made Ezekiel walk around naked for like three years. And then and, and at another point, he made Ezekiel make a pile of manure and light it on fire and use it as his, as his cooking fire and uh, as his cooking fire for, for like to cook his food. Imagine his food is, is like biofuel, but manure, like manure, right? And the people, he'd use these, he used the, the, the prophets as, as visible illustrations of how God felt. And God was telling them, your offerings are like this to me. They're like manure on fire. That's what your incense is like to me. It smells like manure. That's what he wanted to say to the people. Because of your disobedience and your harlotry, that you're, you're worshipping other gods and yet you come and pretend like you're worshipping me, right? I mean, he made the prophets do crazy things, crazy things. So for Isaiah, for God to say, I need somebody to go for me, Isaiah to say, pick me, pick me, right? I mean, this man, what confidence did he have in God? Where did he get that confidence if it wasn't a life, a life of obeying God a whole life of obeying God that came before this instance. St. Mary, one final example for you. St. Mary, when the, when the angel comes to her and tells her, you will be with child and you will be this and you will be that, what 12 or 14-year-old girl orphaned, has no home, has no life, has no nothing, right? And is told you're going to be with child, you're going to be pregnant. And she's not married. It's punishable by death. Which who would say... I'm the maidservant. I'm, 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 I'm the maidservant is like, is like I'm, I'm the, the lowest level of servant of the Lord. You know? Let him do with me as he pleases. Who of us is ready to do that? How can we get ourselves to that place? 
We're running thin on time, but I'm, I want to share one thought with you that, that always gets me. If you met somebody, if you met somebody who was able to predict the future, would you ever ask them, like, take them to, to the, you know, OLG and say, hey, let's go buy a lottery ticket together, you and me. We'll split it 50-50, okay? You pick the numbers, I pay for the ticket, we split it 50-50, right? This person predicts the future right every single time. Right? You don't believe me? You want their credentials? I'll give you their number. I'll give you his number as soon as we're done the sermon. Okay? You don't believe me? This person was able to predict where he would be born before he was born. This person was able to predict all the events of his life, exactly how they would go down, where he would die, how he would die, that he would come back from the dead. If someone was able to predict all of those things accurately, hundreds and thousands of years before they were ever born, wouldn't you listen to them? Just on a purely logical, okay, throw all religion and spirituality out the window. Wouldn't you listen to them? Come on, right? God is, is truth. He is the truth. He might have called the prophets to do weird and wonderful and crazy things but they always came out on top. He might have called the martyrs to all kinds of tortures, but they were joyful in their tortures. They, they felt the pain. Only a, only a handful, I, can only, I only know about three or four martyrs that it says that they didn't feel the sufferings. The rest of them, though, they sure felt it, right? But Jesus would come and heal them. Jesus would come and restore them. God knows. God knows. He knows you and He knows me and He knows every detail of our lives. He is worthy for us to listen to. I'll finish with this, the conclusion of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The very end of the, very end of the movie, the very end of the book. Susan is talking to Mr. Beaver. He's just, you, you, and about Aslan. Aslan is this Christ figure that's throughout the whole movie, right? And Mr. B Mr. Beaver says to Susan, Aslan is a lion. He is the lion, the great lion. Oh, says Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good, and he's the king, I'll tell you. Jesus is not safe. He doesn't want you to play it safe. He wants you to have a wonderful and adventurous life, which is full of his goodness. He is not safe, but he is good, and he will take you and me on the ride of our lives, if only we would obey him. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.